0: Hi, I'm Felicity, and welcome to We Are YA The Check-In, a weekday chat with young adult authors. We're checking in and seeing how your favourite YA authors are doing at home during this very unique time, and of course, talking about their books. My guest today is Jessica Goodman. She's the author of the upcoming YA novel, They Wish They Were Us, which is out this August. She's the opinion editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. Previously, she was a digital news editor at Entertainment Weekly and an entertainment editor at HuffPost. You can also follow her on both Twitter and Instagram. Jess, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm
0: so excited to speak to you because I love your book. But before we do all that, where am I speaking to you from?
1: Currently, I'm in my apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Um, It is certainly the eye of the storm in terms of this pandemic but um we're we're doing okay here and have been feeling a real sense of community and camaraderie in our neighborhood so uh, so yeah so we're, we're doing okay yeah no That's complaints good. over here yeah and are
0: you like are you one of the people going to the rooftop at seven o'clock every night
1: in new york you know we we face uh we don't face the street in my apartment but we have a tiny little deck with like a little barbecue on it so around yeah it's really nice around seven we go out there and we can sometimes hear from the street all the clapping and it it is really sweet it's really nice oh that's nice oh that's good
0: well your book is sort of set in new york but not really but it's they wish they were us which i have to tell you is fantastic title i love this title so much um, and it's one of the in-house reads that people are really talking about. Like, it's it's very like the gossip water cooler book before we had to go home, of course. Um, but for our listeners who've never heard of it, can you tell us a little bit about what it's what it's all about?
1: Yes. Well, I'm so happy that you like the title too, because uh, this was a, the title was truly a labor of love between mm. uh, me, my agent, and um, my fantastic editor Jessica Harrod. so I could not be happier about the title as well. I think it's like. The most fun, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, here's my spiel about the book. So do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have senior Jill Newman, uh, who is so excited to start her final year at Gold Coast Prep, which is this super exclusive prep school in Long Island. She's so excited to start her senior year because she's finally um, at the top of the heap in terms of this sort of secret society called the Players, which she is a part of. Um, but. Her best friend freshman year, her name was Shayla, and she was killed during a player's initiation ritual by her boyfriend at the time, Graham. Uh, so that kind of hangs over everyone as they start their senior year. And then all of a sudden, Jill starts getting text messages saying that Shayla might not have died as everyone thought. And there might her killer might still be out there. So, even though Jill knows that she could jeopardize her status in the players and her future at Gold Coast Prep, she knows that she has to figure out what happened to Shayla. So, it's mm. this YA murder mystery that also explores issues of privilege uh, and class distinctions within these East Coast private schools that we always hear so much about in mm-hmm. the news and in pop culture um, and, and yeah, that, that's, that's the spiel. That's the. It's a good spiel. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, me,
0: you know, and you said hearing about it in pop culture, this feels like the combination of like every great pop culture thing in that it feels like The Skulls, that very 90s, mid 2000s, I think, movie with Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker which is all about like college um, societies meets Veronica Mars in terms of season one. And there's a thing that she wants to avenge meets pretty little liars with a secret from the grape. Is that like, is that intentional or just, it's
1: just a happy marriage of all those things. That is totally intentional. Those are like all of my favorite things. And I'm so happy you brought up the skulls because (laughs) that was like one of my favorite movies growing up. And I was always just like obsessed with these kind of like thrillery movies. Um, And I recently I went back and read the Vanity Fair article that the Skulls is based on. And it's just incredible. So if anyone else is like a narrative nonfiction nerd like me, highly recommend going back into the archives. But um, yes, this was all totally intentional. I I grew up like obsessing over these kind of true crime and teenage set stories. Um, And Mm -hmm. it was only natural for me as a writer to kind of mine all of my interest in this stuff. And also my own backstory, which is, you know, I grew up in Long Island where this book is set and went to a school that um, wasn't You know, as as a exclusive (laughs) or intense, we didn't have any murders, no murders or secret (laughs) societies. But it was this uh, prep school that that had this kind of mystique around it in the area. Um, And so I I kind of mind that uh, that experience as well.
0: Well, yeah, and the book, as you said, is set in Long Island and you're from Long Island. Are your family and friends, like, reading early drafts going, hey, is that me? Are are they recognising themselves? Or are they, like, thinking that you've written about them and you're
1: like, it's not you? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, you you know... Yes and no. Um, I, I think that my mom actually had quite a hard time or not. I shouldn't say a hard time, but I think it was it was um, tough for her to read this book. And I had to keep reminding her like, you know, I think the mother in this book, I don't think it's a spoiler, but she, she's a, she's a good mom. You know, she's not like a she's not a bad mom at all. But my mom kept being like, I have to remember this isn't about me. This isn't me. Um, but, you know, I'm very fortunate to still be really, really close good friends with a lot of the people I went to high school with. And so I think more than anything, they're just kind of excited to to see what from our own high school experience I've put in there but um, yes if, if anyone is from the Long Island area there is nothing that's built from actual reality I would say <laughs> I kind of hope not because some of it's not so good <laughs> I know I know I, I did um, I am like still I do still keep in touch with a few teachers from there and they've all been like oh we can't wait for the school to, to <laughs> hear about this and read about this and I'm like guys it's like it's totally not based on that in, in any factuality <laughs> But I think that's why also, too, it makes it so
0: fun is that it's such a fictionalized fun world and fun and murder aren't words you normally put together. So
1: (laughs) I'm glad you think so. But, you know, I've always been so drawn to settings in other books that I love. And so Mm -hmm. for this for this one, I really wanted to to set it in such a specific place, you know, that is um, the backdrop is this kind of like very exclusive community that's like close to Manhattan where all of you know the 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 center of power lies but then it's also this idyllic uh place that's set against the ocean and the water and you know people want to live in this like area that you can take your boat out and also be 30 minutes from the city um, mm. so I really tried to like write about the, the setting in a way that felt like really natural to, mm. to, um, this community as well. But, but yeah, I'm glad you think it's fun. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, but I'm also, and part of what you're saying with the setting in terms of research and process is that like, I always imagine with murder mystery novels and betrayal novels that the author has a giant wall at their home with all the threads and the like, who's murdered who and who's the red herring and things like that. Is that what you have? Or are you a bit of a, it came to you as you were writing person?
1: Oh my gosh. I wish I was like Claire Danes in Homeland with like everything, <laughs> everything just like plotted out with red strings and push pushpins. Um, you know, mm. I, I've been working on this book since 2011. So about, wow. yeah, I started it um, when I was a junior in college, but, um, but so the book has changed a lot since then. And mm-hmm. actually, you know, it, the, it, the, the, um the who did it, the who done it. What was changed a few times before we found Ooh. before we found a uh an ending that was like the totally perfect fit um no spoilers obviously but of course but um y- yeah i I wish I was one of those people that like laid everything out beforehand, but usually it takes me like a full draft to figure out like what exactly is supposed to happen um mm-hmm. and so it definitely changed quite a bit quite a bit while writing um but, God, if people people always talk about how you're either a plotter or a pantser. And if you're a plotter, you plot everything out beforehand. If you're a pantser, you fly by to the seat of your pants. And I'm kind of the person that, like, writes an outline and pretends like I'm going to plot it out and then throws the outline out and just pantses my way through the
0: rest of the book. Right. So you're a pantser in disguise. Exactly. You're a pantser who's pretending to be a plotter.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's interesting, too, in terms of your day job is magazine journalism, which is really different in terms of its length and its turnaround time and process what has surprised you about it being different and then also what's is anything felt similar
1: yeah I think honestly being a journalist and and a writer uh, for for another publication was kind of like boot camp for for edit writing and editing an awful the difference is obviously the timeline you know when I'm working on digital stories for Cosmo uh we turn them around within you know like days and sometimes even hours Um, Mm. And then obviously with a book, it's like, you know, you take years and years and years to get it perfect. (laughs) Um, And also when you're working for a magazine and when you're writing and editing for a magazine, you're usually kind of adapting your voice and tone to be that of the brand. Um, You Mm. know, I think if you read Cosmo, it has a very different voice and tone than, you know, Vanity Fair or The New Yorker or New York Magazine. And all of these brands kind of have their own distinct voice and flair. And obviously when you're writing a novel, you're writing in your own voice or the voice of your characters or, you know, it, it's a little more um, insular where it's just one author, one person, you know, unless you're on a team or whatnot. But, um, you know, I think I think working at Cosmo really prepared me for this kind of um, hardcore uh, deadline meeting, um, you know, mm-hmm. be- being willing to be edited Like I love Mm. working with my editor, Jess, you know, and I think um, some writers who maybe hadn't been edited before, I always hear how it's a little, it takes a little bit getting used to, you know, to to let somebody else into your work. Um, And me, I'm just like, Oh my God, take it and run with it. And (laughs) let's make it the best it can be Um, because I've been edited so heavily in my own journalism career and I edit other writers too. So, Mm. but it's, it's so fun to flex both of these muscles and, um, you know, and, and play around in these different worlds. It's, I feel very, very fortunate. Yeah. Well,
0: and was it, you know, you, you talk about the voice of the, of writing someone else's voice when you're doing journalism, when, when you were writing the book, the manuscript, was it hard to switch between the two? Like, obviously maybe you were writing at the same time Were you really having to kind of like jarringly say, no, this is me now. It's Jess writing.
1: Yeah, totally. That's exactly what it was. And my, my writing schedule is that I, I work in the morning from home on my, you know, on my fiction and, um, and then I have usually about like an hour commute to get to the office. And it's kind of like, I use that hour in between to like reprogram myself to like to get into the Cosmo voice. You know, I listen to podcasts, I, I read. Um, and then by the time I get to the office, I'm kind of like out of that fiction world. And then on the weekends, I just, you know, strictly work on fiction stuff most of the time, unless there's like a pressing assignment from, from my day job. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it is tricky. Sometimes I'll find myself like adding in Cosmo-y sounding things to the book. And sometimes that's really helpful. Like if I'm working on well, working with a character who like would be a diehard Cosmo girl, you know, like I know how she, I know yeah. how she would speak, I think. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's really fun. And it almost feels like acting in a way, which is cool.
0: Yeah. Well, and this, and actually that actually beautifully segues in because from our questions that we put out to social media for people who had questions for you, one of the questions was from Addison Abbott 27, what was your writing process like? So I think we, answer, we answered that for you, Addison. <laughs> yes, I hope that helps, Addison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the other part of that would be for Addison's question is if you're an aspiring writer and you are doing something that's not like journalism, how do you get the confidence to believe in your writing? Is there anything that you did particularly that really kind of made you go, I've got this?
1: Honestly, I think um, there's there's nothing that anybody will do or tell you to to help you gain confidence, except for the fact that you like you could just tell yourself, I believe in myself. Like there's no one there's mm. no one in the world out there who, who will make you believe it if you don't. But the things that that helped me, um, you know, decide to stick stick with this, even through like the the writing, the first draft of the manuscript to finding an agent, we're just finding people who were in my life that I already knew who I knew read the kind of work that I wanted to do. And then would, I would send them, you know, 10 pages at a time and just say like, should I keep going? Like, is like, would you read this at all? If it were edited Mm. professionally in any way Um, and just having like one or two people be like, yeah, you should keep going. Like, this is fun. Um, was like all that, that it took, I think, to help me just kind of stay focused and, and, and motivated. But honestly, the best advice I ever got was from um, the professor whose class I was taking when I started this book. Her name is Melissa Jensen. She's a YA writer herself. And she was teaching my YA writing fiction class, which was like, or YA fiction writing class at the University of Pennsylvania, which was like the best class. And everyone was like, I can't believe that's a real class. And it was incredible. <laughs> but she, her big advice was just like, You're never going to sell a book unless you finish the book. And she's like, she yes. was like, the hardest part of writing a book is finishing a book, like just finishing writing. So I always kept that in mind when I was like, ugh, should I keep going? Should I not keep going? It's like you're not going to be able to do anything unless you actually have a manuscript. Hundred. Um, it's easy to say that now that I, I have one and it's done, but um, it's it's really it's really hard in the moment to be like, you know, I, I I guess I'll write now when I don't have any kind of certainty of where this will go, and all my friends are out having brunch except you know in this day and age they're not they're they're they're, they're watching <laughs> you know their eighth Netflix binge um but it you know it's tough it's tough to believe in yourself and you know I think all you have to do is just like enjoy the process too I think that helps yeah no that's great advice
0: and I do I think every author I've heard and I heard that question asked about how about
1: you know put it
0: on the page you can't delete what's not there yeah so yeah <laughs> Okay, so this next question, it's not really a question, but I do, I know a bit of a backstory behind it. I'd love to hear you talk about it. It's from Robbie Reads on Twitter, and Robbie's like, OMG, this cover. Now, I know that this cover, much like the title, we had a few goes at They Wish They Were Us uh, as a cover and as a title. What is that like for you as an author when you're sort of seeing that process? Oh, my gosh. Well,
1: I just have to say I am obsessed with this cover, and it's yeah it's amazing the design team at penguin teen is absolutely incredible the photographer christine is just like out of this world i saw it and like my heart stopped i'm obsessed with it um but yeah you're right we went through so many different cover iterations i hope one day we can like release them into the world and like share the behind Mm. the scenes about them but um i mean i i think it was it was um really interesting to see this process because I think in the beginning I had kind of like my own vision in my head of like what the cover might look like based on, you know, other books I loved or other styles I loved. Um, But it was so cool to like talk to my editor and talk to, Um, you know, all of you guys at Penguin Teen about like your process and what works and how the designers work. Um, And I think Mm. it was like every version, almost every version that we saw, I was like, oh my God, this would be so cool to see on bookshelves. Like, this is great. This is great. (laughs) And then, um, you know, as, as the design kept evolving, I was like, well, I love this one too. So whatever happens, like, this will be great. Um, But it was, I was pleasantly surprised with how much um, input I got to have as an author. You know, I got to say, you know, oh, I actually like this better. I don't like, I don't like this as much, you know, what if we tried this one additional thing or like, you know, this, this little detail feels like it would be a cool Easter egg for the book, like these kinds of things. Um, It was, I mean, it was so cool to be a part of. And I think just like, as probably all debut authors feel like it's just like, this kind of like magical cloud of like oh my god my book is getting a cover and artwork and like anything is cool but um I have to say I've definitely been like trolling Etsy to see if I can like get those necklaces made like to have because I'm obsessed with them well and I know
0: that it was we I think Penguin team, we have it on our site it was a real photo shoot and I know that Joy from our team went to the photo shoot and, and saw it all coming together and yeah those necklaces exist somewhere, somewhere around the world they're so cool I
1: know you guys were taking the best photos and my editor was like sending me some like you know behind the scenes stuff from from the day and I was just like oh my god this is the coolest and like, there's like she was sending me like this photo of like a can of fake blood and I was like yeah I
0: know <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've never I don't think we've ever really thought about the fake blood process before never. but now we know way never too much never thought about it and now
1: I'm like wow there's just a can of fake blood out there sitting in the penguin office somewhere I mean we now
0: have kind of a weird treasure box of things like that because of all the murder mystery books that we've got on our on our team so the other day someone was like do we have any chains and someone was like yeah no we do and I was like why do we have chains but okay oh my god go. as a social media editor you must you
1: must love that because you could use it for all the content <laughs>
0: I mean, you just you just sometimes you have to have really random stuff in your office, and people do walk past my office and say, "Is that a sword?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, it is." <laughs> of course, of course, it's a sword. So, so having the fake blood is just only going to go next to the sword. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> All right, we've got some more questions from fans. The next one is from where did it go? It's from Maya L. Writes, and they wanted to know is what is your favorite thing about writing the, uh, the thrillers? Oh my gosh.
1: There are so many things I love about it, but I think that the best part is when you finally get like all of the small details and puzzle pieces to fit together perfectly. Mm. And it's like your brain just like lights up and you're like, Oh my God, I did it. I'm Dick Wolf from law and order. SVU!" <laughs> like, Oh my God. And honestly, that part of the process doesn't come until you've already done probably like so like, you know, five or six revisions. But when you finally, f- like it's kind of like um, you're like leaving all these little breadcrumbs for yourself while you're writing and you're like, you know, I'll eventually like find them all and, you know, put them all together and like make them make sense. Um, and when you do, it's like, wow, this this would be so exciting to read as a reader and like put all these puzzle pieces together. And one thing that my editor is so good about doing is she's like, remember to leave these little, you know, the breadcrumbs. Remember to leave the trail of details for readers that they won't recognize at the time, but then they can go back and be like, wow, that was so cool. So that is something that I always aim for. Um and I, I hope that this book delivers on that. But it's really mm-hmm. fun. And I think it's also just like I like playing in a dark world. Like it's fun to like be a little spooky and freaky and just kind of like put these characters who I have come to love in like really terrible situations and then, and then like write them out of it, you know, and then kind of, especially like in my book um, and they wish they were us. I tried to make all of the, the female characters just like so strong and resilient and self-sufficient and like kind of helping them, you know, along their arcs in finding their own strength was something that was like so cool to me. And I think that you can do that kind of thing in any kind of book But um, in a thriller specifically, I find it really, really fun.
0: Mm, Absolutely.
1: Well, and sort of this next question ties into that
0: is that Zanomaly from Twitter, uh, sorry, from Instagram wanted to know is what is your favourite underrated
1: dark academia novel? Oh, my God. My favourite underrated dark academia novel. <laughs> there is a kind of
0: YA subgenre at the moment of like that thriller. I, I know, in high I know. Situation. I keep seeing all
1: these. I saw um I, Redemption Prep is on my TBR, but I haven't read it yet. um But that's the one. Oh my gosh! um You know, I love. um Oh, people like us. People, yeah. I was people gonna like, actually say people that. People like <laughs> us is the best. Um, it's just it people like us is just an incredible book and um I remember I was enticed to read it by the cover which is also just like an incredible prep school mm-hmm. um prep school thriller like just it just illustrates that so perfectly and um she does she does that so well um and the the cheerleaders isn't a prep it's not set in a prep school but that is like one of my all-time favorite YA thrillers by Kara Thomas it's just absolutely phenomenal and so dark and just yes yeah, Yeah. so twisty twisty and shivers up your spine and just great
0: I feel like they wish that Russ is like a cousin of those books, like in that could sit along a shelf very happily. If you're in that zone of like creepy, dark, twisty stuff in high schools and the bad things we do to each other. I hope this so. Is that that, book. That's my dream. <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of book recommendations we're going to move on to the section now where you can tell us about the stuff that you're binging and watching and loving so what book recommendations for people who are stuck at home and need to dig into things what book recommendations let's see
1: um so I just finished The Herd by Andy Barks which I love and that's a um an adult thriller but I think it's like I think it would be pretty solid for what for a YA audience too though definitely check the age range on that um but it's about Mm a um a very exclusive co-work all-female co-working space and the very glamorous female founder goes missing um and her and her friends try to find her yeah it's really great um and then a book that's on my tbr that's coming out this week i think um is called all boys aren't blue by george m johnson um and this is a series of essays um, about growing up in the LGBT being LGBTQ um, and black and it just it's supposed to be so beautiful and I've, I pre-ordered it months ago and just can't can't wait for it to come. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know about yeah. like other people but I I have been having, trouble reading right now during the pandemic. Um, I think it's been really hard for me to focus. And so usually I'm like a commuting reader or a nighttime reader. And, Mm. you know, without the commute, it's been hard for me to like really dig into something. Um, And so the book that actually kind of got me out of my reading rut was The Selection by Kira Cass. Yeah, I never (laughs) read it. And I was just like, oh, this is Uh... canon and it's being turned into a Netflix show. And obviously I need to like inject this into my brain. And it totally did the trick, and now I'm like hooked on that series, and I it it reopened me to like the rest of like all of literature now. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> That's a great series. It's a great bingeable,
0: poppy, fun it, YA series. That it that was. One. Yeah, it's it was so just good. so
1: fun. Um, and it it was able to kind of like put me in a place to read things that were a little more. I don't want to say meaty because the selection is meaty in its own way, but it put me, it put me in the sense to be like, okay, I can consume like all of the books that I was like, wow, at the beginning of quarantine, I have 45 classics that I want to read and 50 50 new books. And like, now I feel like my brain is prepared to, um, to do that.
0: But also, like it doesn't matter totally. if you don't.
1: Like it doesn't. Like I think,
0: like our our quarantine should not come out. We shouldn't come out with a you know a PhD no. in literature. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to have fun. It's, oh my god! It's, it's and I tough keep right seeing now.
1: people, you know, they're talking about how. Shakespeare wrote all like wrote King Lear during his quarantine. And I'm just like, you know what? You just, you do what you can, you know? And sometimes what you can do is watch all of too hot to handle in one day, you know, that (laughs) I did
0: that and I, it was great. (laughs) As as someone who just finished that, I very much identify with that, but also Shakespeare didn't have too hot to handle at the time. And I feel like
1: maybe we wouldn't have King Lear. But other than that, I'm (laughs) just binging Bravo, like nobody's business. Like,
0: Oh my God. So good. Right. Well, I was gonna ask what the TV recommendations are, but I feel like reality TV. Reality is the, is TV the is one.
1: my is my uh North Star these days. Vanderpump rules, watch it from the beginning. If you haven't seen it at all, it's incredible. Real Housewives of New York, Beverly <laughs> Hills, just my people, my people. But my my partner has been really into um the plot against America on HBO, which is based on the Philip oh. Roth novel, it's riveting, but it's also like it's a little too scary for me right now. So I I've been dabbling yeah. in that but also the Michael Jordan documentary is really doing it for me too yeah yes I I started it last week with everybody yeah. and it's been really great I'm really enjoying it and as someone who has like no knowledge of it really I had to it. Like, oh me like, too and this. I was getting like so emotional <laughs> over like certain things like like I was like oh, Scotty Pippen like didn't make enough money this is an injustice and my partner who's like a massive NBA fan was like Scottie Pippen's fine like he has like a lot of money like don't worry about <laughs> it and I was like this is blasphemy and he was like this is like 20 years old it's fine <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> I do feel like it's a bit
0: like it's the inverse of like us readers who've seen the f- read the book watched the film and we you know go, come on it's fine whereas we are having that it now with yeah. the sports drama exactly like, oh my god yes. And are you a podcast listener? Because there's so much crime podcasts out there. Do you oh, listen yes. to that? I
1: love um, my, fa- my Favorite Murder. Like, those girls are the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen to a lot of, like, uh, Bravo recap shows. Um- <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <a> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And I, I've been listening to The Daily when my when my emotional headspace is in the right place to take in the news that way. Um, yeah, The Daily is yeah. good for that, obviously. Um, but... Yeah. And I watch, I I listen to all of the bachelor recap shows too. So like here to make friends is really fun and bachelor party. So, you know, the, the bachelor universe is here for you, uh, even when you, when you don't think you need it. So that's nice.
0: (laughs) oh my god the bachelor universe has actually provided during this time i've been
1: enjoying the couples who've been getting together during quarantine oh my god it's i know just, it's so yeah. fun and also the the listen to your heart show on abc which which they oh, keep filling as the bachelor meets a star is born and i'm like oh god i'm never gonna watch that and then i'm like i am watching all of that like i i'm in i mean
0: i, I feel like the
1: stay-at-home order has been very kind to that
0: show because there's a lot of people who were not going to watch it who were like yeah I know. Else I know. I think so, the ratings so, yeah. were
1: like crazy, <laughs> which is great.
0: Which I think they're going to take the wrong message from that. I feel like going, you do realize we're all locked inside our houses. Oh, not hilarious. a choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today on We Are YA, The Check. Thank you so
1: much for having me. This was so much fun
0: so much fun jessica goodman's novel they wish they were us is out august 4th and available for pre-order from all bookstores and if you're at home it's also available for pre-order in both the ebook and audio from your on your favorite platforms you can also follow jess on both twitter and instagram much tomorrow on the show we welcome jenny torres sanchez who is the author of critically acclaimed novels the fall of innocence because of the sun and the upcoming we are not from here see you tomorrow